I'm sure like everyone, we know somebody who has cancer, is going through cancer, or has been lost to cancer. I was fighting largely for myself as a way to reclaim myself and my health, even at that point being nine years out from my diagnosis and treatment. From Haymakers for Hope, this is not every fight ends at the bell. Haymakers for Hope exists to knock out cancer the only way we know how. Fighting for a cure through charity boxing. Thanks to generous supporters and more than 1,000 ass-kicking do-gooders, Haymakers has raised over $22 million for cancer research, care, awareness, and survivorship. But the march towards a cure continues long after the last bell of each event. I'm Julie Kelly. I'm Todd Buster Paris. We know firsthand because we are not just your hosts, we are also survivors. On this podcast, we will highlight the stories of fighters, survivors, organizations, and supporters. Not every fight ends at the bell. Round one. On this episode, we speak with Allison One-Two Punch Picot. Allison fought in our 2019 Bells of the Brawl event at the House of Blues in Boston. Training out of Back Bay Boxing, she raised over $56,000. I'll say that again, $56,000. Allison, welcome to the show. How did you hear about Haymakers for Hope? So in 2018, my husband and I went to see Jillian Gundersheim fight. Jillian's father and my husband are second cousins. Oh, wow. And, um, oh, I didn't know so that. We, I, yeah, so I was invited. And I had never gone to a boxing event before and was excited by what I saw, but I sort of dismissed it after that. And then a few months later, I had turned 49 that February and was sort of having a midlife crisis and trying to figure out what to do. And I had adopted this mantra, maximize happiness. Mm. and I just, I think the idea sort of popped in my head. I don't think I was following Hey Bankers on social media or anything. I just sort of popped in my head. And so I, I Googled it and saw that, that they were um, soon going to be opening up the application process for the October 2019 fight. So I just signed up. I didn't even tell my husband. I signed up. Boxing is a is is a good midlife crisis sport. To it is a gr- it's a great midlife crisis sport. I know. But I did contact Jillian and I asked her if she could like put in a good word for me and kind of give me a rundown on what I would be getting myself into. What was your experience like when you first entered the gym? You know, some people who've never been in a boxing gym before have something in their mind of what the experience will be like. And it can be very intimidating. I was scared as hell the first time I ever walked in a boxing gym. But once you got in there, like what was what was your initial reaction or what were your initial expectations? When I initially signed up and I was waiting to hear back um, from you all, I poked my head into everybody fights because it's right near where I worked at the time. So I was like, okay, this is pretty. This is nice. And then when I got accepted, I think you told me that there there were several women fighting out of the gym. So you asked me if I would mind being assigned to another gym. And I said, fine, I'd never taken a class that everybody fights. So I was cool with that. 
So when I walked into Back Bay Boxing, it was right after work. I was still in my street, my work clothes. And I actually went with the intention of just saying, introducing myself. I couldn't stay to take the class, but I made a point of one videotaping John wrapping people's hands because I had never even seen that before. And then I sat down as he launched, did a 5.30 class and I was writing down in my phone, all the different exercises he was doing and trying to figure out if I could even like keep up with that because everybody else in the gym were in their like twenties and thirties. It was like crazy intimidating to me, but I knew what I was getting myself up into. So from there, I was just like, basically I needed to figure out how to keep up with them. John is one of the most charismatic funny, interesting guys that you'll meet in boxing. He's a great guy from Ireland. So he's got that Irish accent, which is, it's just, you can, I could listen to him all day and he's hysterical. So you show up at the gym and you're taking notes. Did John have any comments about you taking notes? Did he introduce himself to you? How was your first interaction with John? Yeah. I mean, he was super nice. He welcomed me. Um, he made a point of introducing me to the other women who were also in Bells that year. I think, well, there was, besides me, four other women, I think three of them were at the gym that night. Okay. So that was really nice. And he made it a point of, from that day forward, really making sure, one of the things I loved about Backday Boxing and I really miss is the community. Mm -hmm. You really made sure of you're part of a community. Everybody helps each other out. And so I never felt like a stranger. I never felt out of place. Um, and that was, I really um, am grateful for. So you had mentioned that there were other girls there that were training for haymakers. So did you do in-house sparring with them? So how, does, how do you progress from, you learn how to wrap your hands and then what happens next? We did spar together. I think I sparred every, all of them at one time or another. And we're all different heights, different abilities different weight classes even. And so we would do our sparring on Saturdays. And then I signed up for a bunch of privates with him on mm -hmm. Sundays following our my Sunday class. So I was inviting the other women to join in on that. So we did that pretty consistently. Maybe after the first few weeks in, I started up on sparring. Okay. What was your, what do you find the hardest part of the training was? To put sort of my training into context, I was going to back bay boxing maybe twice during the work week and then every pretty much every Saturday and Sunday. So I was doing one hour essentially cardio and um, uh, boxing technique classes. And then on Saturdays and Sundays, in addition to those classes with sparring, I was also, I had been working out with a personal trainer. And so I was doing personal training twice a week. So okay. I was training pretty intensely five, six days a week. I guess I would say the hardest part for me was the boxing technique. Having never mm -hmm. done boxing before, I've done a lot of, did a lot of sports in high school growing up. So I was used to being competitive, but I've never had to go from zero to 60 in, you know, four months time. Right. So it was learning the technique, learning the rules, you know, just sitting mm. down and reading the rules and understanding what it's like in a boxing ring and what 
do you need to accomplish to score points? People underestimate sometimes how challenging of a sport it is to learn, just not only physically, but building themselves up technique-wise from the ground mm-hmm. from the ground up. Just getting your footwork down can be extre- right. extremely frustrating. Your natural thought sometimes is to cross your feet. You do not want to cross your feet. So it can be really, really difficult. And then, like you said, learning the rules. There's a lot going on in your brain. And it's hard at first. And, and it's definitely four months is an accelerated program to go from zero to a sanctioned bout. But you guys do it. And I don't know how. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> it is pretty amazing. Did you have any favorite parts of training? So there was an exercise that we do. I'm not sure if it's my favorite, but one mm-hmm. thing I, I, I like doing, um, which is something John calls the 40, 30, 20, 10. So it's okay. 40 jumping jacks. 30 mountain climbers, 20 squats, and 10 push-ups. And he typically has you do that three times in a row. Sounds um, awful. Absolutely six, awful. Six minutes. Um, oh. Six minutes. Sometimes he'll get creative and like, instead of push-ups, maybe it's burpees. So I love being in the class with mm-hmm. other people. And again, I was usually the oldest. And trying to keep up with my fellow Bells and just others I can't say that I was ever faster than than them, but I was able to keep up with them. Because you were definitely well-conditioned. So let's jump ahead a little bit, the four months. Let's talk about the night of your match. Full disclosure for everyone listening, Allison had had competed against one of my fighters, a woman named Lisa DiPaolo. And so we... In the beginning, for haymakers, they do a halfway sparring point. And what they do for that is they get together and you have a, you have to do two rounds with your opponent just to make sure that everything is, is equal. So you don't want someone walking, you know, just totally killing someone and then let that go forward. So they meet, they spar, and we, and haymakers determines if this match can go on or not or if they need to be any adjustments. That's where I first saw you. You were incredible. You just, you were, you were fast. You were strong. The buzz about you going into that was Allison Strong. Have you seen that girl, Allison? She's really strong. That's what everyone kept saying. So we were a little bit worried. Then on the actual fight night, you were incredibly strong. That right hand of yours kept pounding away. What, what was your experience of that night? Once uh, Lisa and I were matched on media day, I knew that she was taller than me. And so my thinking was I needed to be slightly underweight than her because I thought okay. like if I could be faster, that was my goal. Um, and even prior to signing up for Haymakers, I started, started working with a nutritionist. So I dropped several pounds, but also just bulked up in terms of muscle. So I was feeling like I've, I've never been even in competitive sports in high school, I was in great shape, but I was never that muscular. Mm. My challenge was I was so, full disclosure now, I, I was starting to feel sick that day. So I went to my acupuncturist and she was helping me with some acupuncture that day just to get me through. So I was not feeling my best, but I felt like strong as hell. And, mm. and I was excited for it. And I will also say that about a week or so before the match, my fighters and I said to John, like, 
can we all get together like maybe the day of the fight just to sit down and talk to you like some last minute? And he was like, yeah, sure, whatever. So we thought he was going to come with some words of wisdom for us. Mm-hmm. He had like nothing. You know, he, like, he was like, yeah, you guys would be fine. You know, he was like, yeah, you yeah. Can, I think that's like talking standard. smack about how I could like knock Lisa out in the first round. It's like, okay. I'm like, if you think so, okay. Um, you know, obviously Lisa was a very worthy competitor and, you know, she was like, no say die. So we went through it and, yeah. Um, yeah. and gave it our all. And, and the funny thing, is, which my husband still gives me crap about, you know, after that bell rang, I was like spent and I was just like, doubled over just breathing and Lisa was running around the, the ring like raise your hands and he said my husband said you know like if you just like show him some effort at the end after the bell rang you could have won that fight uh, uh, I was like fuck you yeah yeah you by could, the yeah. way he's completely wrong yeah because the, after everything each was round, in the, the score was in the score was in it it, it yeah. does not matter so you could tell right. him that you could say you know what you were wrong Okay. And honestly, so, being being yeah. bent over and being totally spent, like That's that you shows you get you you put your foot down on the gas and you just went. And that that the saying is, leave it all in the ring. Yeah, yeah. The the so, last thing you want to, I've had boxers say to me after, like, I, I had a little bit more. Like I could have, I could have, you know, I could have done more. You never want to leave the ring feeling that way. So what the, are you saving the fact it for? that you were right, and the fact that you were bent that that proved you did. Everything you could, you gave it your all. That's what it's all about. That's very cool. So someone else gearing up for this journey, they're going to four months of their life for boxing. What would, what advice would you give to them as they start to head down this path? So I know in preparation for this, I was asked to give one word of, or one piece of advice, mm-hmm. and that is to keep a journal. So I made the point of buying a journal like right as I was accepted. Mm-hmm. So I kind of reflected back quickly to kind of capture what happened at that first meeting when we all got together and met our fellow bells and how I was feeling about it, how I kind of came into the process. And then all the way through, I was jotting down anything relevant around my training or just interactions with my the other women I trained with, Katie, Sarah, Megan, and Erica who we've become such great friends through that process. So right. we still get together and talk about, reflect on our, our fights. Um, but I have that as like a memento of my time mm. to really go back and reflect on the days where I thought like my, my sparring didn't go well or was feeling questioning like fundraising or getting anxious around fundraising or anything like that. So that's just like a nice gift that I gave created for myself and I think right. my fellow bells to be able to reflect. Yeah. I'd love to pass that along to some people. Mm. It's a little memento that they can have and it's a reflection of what they go through during the four months because it's a roller coaster. Yeah. Some days you're on top of the world, other days you just think, the hell did I get myself into? So mm. it's nice to see how far you came. And you're never gonna do it again. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Un- unless yeah. unless you choose to and and like we've we've seen with a, a lot of women in bells, they continue to go on to compete. It's pretty incredible mm-hmm. the large number of of women who have yeah. um, who've continued. When we return for round two, we'll speak with Allison about her own fight with breast cancer, how it's impacted others around her, and how she chooses to maximize happiness. 
Not Every Fight Ends at the Bell is presented by Haymakers for Hope. To donate, sponsor, attend an event, or better yet, to sign up to be one of our ass-kicking do-gooders, visit haymakersforhope.org. Round two. And are you still boxing? No. So okay. I, although I, I'm still training, in 2010, I was diagnosed with breast cancer and I had a, a mastectomy. And so even to get into the ring, to get approval from not so much my primary care, but my mm-hmm. breast cancer surgeon was like a huge effort. I was fortunate that I was never seriously injured during training other than mm. my friend, Sarah, who fights Southpaw. She whacked me. She got right. me in the jaw one day. Yep. And also, I'm now 52. So yeah. um, for a lot of reasons, I'm not. That being said, until John moved to South Carolina, I was still training with uh, back bay boxing. So okay. I love the, the exercise. And um, Katie Donahue, now Stepanski, yep. has sort of picked up the mantle from him and so she's now doing boxing classes on sunday which we have we call punch and brunch okay so we <laughs> we get together for an hour and then for a workout and then we have some um i'm not saying they're healthy but we do have some um, <laughs> we get together and eat afterwards allison you mentioned your your connection to the cause and your own diagnosis of of breast cancer when you went to see Jillian, and for those that don't know, Jillian Gundersheim is a pediatric oncology nurse in Boston. So she's very connected in terms of her patients and just her her work. And for you, you have an interesting connection, not only the, the mission and a diagnosis, but also your line of work. So really just give us some insight on that in terms of your connection to cancer and life's work of fundraising. I'm sure like everyone, we know somebody who has cancer, is going through cancer, or has been lost to cancer. I was fighting largely for myself as a way to reclaim myself and my health, even at that point being nine years out from my diagnosis and treatment. And in 2019 also, prior to signing up, a dear friend of mine had been diagnosed with stage four breast cancer. And it had, she was fortunately able to make it to CB fight, but then passed away like six weeks later Sorry. at the age of like 50, gosh, 56. So very young. And also actually my husband, Michael, had been diagnosed in, I want to say 2018 with prostate cancer, but he was successfully treated. So so yeah, I felt like Haymakers was just that way of, again, reclaiming my life, but also utilizing my experiences as a fundraiser to raise money for places like Dana-Farber where I was treated. So in my day life, for the last 20 plus years, I've been working as a fundraiser. I currently am the executive director of the Lenny Zakem Fund, which focuses on advancing social, racial, and economic justice in communities across Eastern Mass. But I was able to take my experiences as a fundraiser and leverage um, a lot of personal, um, professional connections to encourage people to support me in raising money for Haymakers for Hope. You definitely you raised a lot of money for Haymakers, a lot of money. Yeah. You and Lisa combined were over a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, that's yeah, it's crazy, incredible. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, my husband was um, very instrumental to, <laughs> to me earning my belt. He was the lead sponsor of that year, his business. And so I was really grateful for him stepping up in that way and supporting me, but also supporting this organization, which is just doing such amazing things. So you mentioned the belt. For anyone listening out there, any boxers that compete in Haymakers, if you raise $50,000, you get a title belt, which is pretty cool. It's personalized. And then it, it, it goes up to 100. And we just we had our first or it was or maybe it was our second belt ever. But we had our highest fundraiser in New York City. And I think he was over like two hundred and fifty thousand dollars belt. Wow. But fifty thousand wow. dollar belt. That is the first that is a huge accomplishment. And a lot of people really, really push, push, push hard to get to get that belt. And you earned it and you, you work so hard. And the, the funds you raise will make a massive difference in someone's life. So it's, it's yeah. incredible. Thank you. In my house now, I have sort of a little shrine to my time as a, a boxer. So I have the poster of my picture, right, that's been framed. I've got my belt that's been in a, encased in a box. And then I've huh. got a picture that Katie, Sarah, Erica, and Megan gave to me for my 50th birthday. It's the five of us in our haymaker outfits just prior to fight and then the fight card. So it's a way for me to just always remember like this special moment in my life. What I hope will be a lifelong connection with haymakers. And Allison, I know for, for me, I'm about 22 years out and yeah, I'm 21. I still can't wrap my head around having cancer that I had had cancer, that I was treated for cancer. I had, you know, all, all, all the, the, the things that go with that. And I still find it, I still find it scary. And I was wondering, where are you in that process in terms of how you've dealt with having cancer and moving on and where your mind goes with that? Hmm. That's an excellent question. So when I received my diagnosis, I was, I just turned 40 and I was literally like days away from my wedding. Yeah. So they gave me the news and said, go on your honeymoon. Don't worry about it. Come back and you know we'll take care of it. That's uh, you know certainly easier said than done. Right. Um, and so really for the first year of my married life, I was dealing with like surgeries and treatments, that sort of thing. And at the time, a friend of mine who had been through breast cancer in her early 30s, right after the second, the birth of her second child, she said to me, Allison, Five years is going to go. It'll be a blip. We'll be fine. And so I took her word for it. And she had a much more aggressive form of cancer, bracket two breast cancer, and then had a full hysterectomy. Well, in 2020 or 21, she ended up being diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And she just passed away in August of this year. Sorry. So it's never, I guess it's, even when you feel it's in the rear view mirror, you yeah. have to just... You have to go on with life, but you also have to recognize that just because you can check off cancer on whatever doesn't mean like you're one and done, right? Right. As I said earlier in the podcast, like maximize happiness and mm. just just do the things that bring you joy. When we return for round three, Allison speaks to why she continues to give back to the community that gave to her and the advice she would give to a fellow cancer survivor looking to participate in Haymakers for Hope. Not Every Fight Ends at the Bell is presented by Haymakers for Hope. 
Did you know there's more to haymakers than just boxing? We also have opportunities for you to lace up your sneakers and run a marathon with Team Haymakers. Or grab your clubs and play in one of our golf tournaments. Visit haymakersforhope.org for more. Round three. Just recently, in 2022, I saw you at the most recent Bells of the Brawl uh, as a volunteer. So you're still doing some volunteer work with Haymakers. Can you tell me what Haymakers has done for you and even why you still volunteer? I didn't realize when I signed up that I would be gaining not only a, a, a new love of, of a sport, mm. but a new community. And so that community started with back bay boxing and now with the people who were part of that gym and it's with haymakers. So I love being able to give back as a volunteer. I love being at the events, just meeting either former fighters or new ones. I, I love being ringside and just yelling and encouraging people, especially when the fighters are like, you can tell that they're gassed and like, Having been in the ring, I know you only get so many minutes. So it's like you just take, make the most of every minute. And like when that 10 second clap hits, you know, like you just got to keep punching through the bell and you can't give up. Um, so that's fun. The golf tournaments, I've been participating in the last like three of those. Yep. And when those first came about, that was like in the height of COVID. And mm. so that was the first time I saw some of my fellow back bay boxing slash bells in in months. And so we were so excited to be out on the course. And so that's that's been great to be able to, to meet people that way. So I'm I'm just thrilled to be able to give back in whatever way I can and be a, continue to be a part. We're lucky to have you. It's it's always amazing for us to see um past boxers come back, act as a volunteer, or like you said, do do the golf tournament, to be able to see people. You know, when you're going through the four-month program, the relationship can be, you guys, are, you're, you're in that unknown stage where you're nervous for fight night, you're doing the fundraising, you're training, but then post and to, to see a boxer come back after they've already had their fight night, to see them come back and be so relaxed ringside and have that kind of like... I've already been through it and just to be able to to watch you watch others and encourage each other because people underestimate how much that surge you can get from someone cheering you on outside the Mm -hmm. ring. And sometimes it comes directly when you need it. So for you to know, have had that experience and be able to cheer somebody on who's maybe in the thick of it is really amazing. And that's why we love to have people come back and because the community, you guys are like family to us. And we're very lucky to continue to have volunteers like you and just stay stay part of the family and keep the keep the events going. Allison, why should someone sign up to participate? I guess I'll speak for myself as a cancer survivor. I was recently window shopping in Beacon Hill over the summer. And I went into the store and this guy was trying to raise money for some cancer organization. I think it was the Cumius uh, Association because he had been diagnosed over the pandemic with some cancer. And he was, fortunately, it was caught early and he was he's now cancer-free. And I started talking about haymakers and his eyes just lit up and he's like, I want to do that. And I was like, okay, we need to connect on like LinkedIn or something. You need to sign up for the haymakers e-newsletter so you can, like, you'll be ready when the next fight in Boston happens. And so I feel it's like, 
for those who felt like maybe like cancer came out of nowhere and hit them and got them, it's a way for you to fight back. It's a way for you to take control of your life and to do something positive for that next person who's going to get that unfortunate diagnosis. Mm -hmm. I feel in many ways why, why I did it and why others who are brave enough to get into the ring should do it. What Allison just said in terms of like why someone would sign up. I mean, getting a diagnosis is a challenge that you didn't necessarily sign up for. And Mm -hmm. during treatment, you learn a hell of a lot about yourself and life. And kind of the weird part is you learn similar lessons when you're first learning how to box. Um, Everyone remembers their first day in the gym to kind of go through that that challenge. You know, you do sign up for the challenge of boxing. You do sign up for the challenge of, of haymakers. So I think that was I think that's just a really great way, especially as a cancer survivor, to kind of parlay the two next to each other to prove to yourself that you could as a reclaim to your life is huge. I have a very similar story that, you know, essentially that was what boxing ended up doing for me. Just makes me happy to know that other people have that can have that experience. Thank you very much for your time. It's been really great talking to you without ropes in between us and without people punching you. Thank you, Tom. I would love to do a rematch with Lisa. She's down for it. She's she's listening to this. I can tell she's pacing the floor. Lisa is always down for a rematch. I'm sure. I'm sure. Let's make it happen. We'll make it happen. I know someone. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for taking the time to listen. We're grateful for your support. If you enjoyed this episode, please follow the podcast and tell a friend. To donate, sponsor, attend an event, or better yet, sign up to fight to KO cancer, visit haymakersforhope.org. Not Every Fight Ends at the Bell is presented and produced by Haymakers for Hope in partnership with Studio Pod Media. Our producers are former fighters Jordan McMillan and Julian Lewis. I'm Julie Kelly. And I'm Todd Buster Paris. You've been listening to Not Every Fight Ends at the Bell. Bell.